As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We interrupt this broadcast before it was history. It was news. It appears as though something has happened in the motor I said, those are shots. Man on the moon. We copy it down, Eagle. I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. I'm Bill Curtis. It's been said that breaking news becomes the first draft of history. What's overlooked is how deeply we relied on broadcast journalists who met the adrenalized demands of those moments, often with courage and daring. Broadcast journalism has a simple, sober purpose, to keep the public informed through the best and worst of times. But the consequence of that labor is profound. As legendary newsman Walter Cronkite wrote, the free press is the central nervous system of a democratic society. No true democracy can exist without it. History has borne out that wisdom. But before it was history, it was news. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What you are about to hear is a dramatization of an event in history that occurred before the broadcast era, but is being presented as if it had been reported by broadcast journalists. Our story is based on historical documents, academic research, and actual news reports that appeared in newspapers and journals at the time. Again, this is a dramatization. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you joyous news. This is Alice Paul reporting live for the Suffragette News Network at the Tennessee General Assembly. It is my great pleasure to inform you that the state of Tennessee has officially ratified the 19th Amendment to the Constitution the last state needed to confirm this change. Women of America, you will now be voting, as is the God-given right of every American citizen. The vote was incredibly close. In fact, the vote was 50 to 49. Only one man stood between women's suffrage and remaining second-class citizens, and his name is Representative Harry Byrne. Byrne is being rushed out of the chamber, but I'm going to try to get one question in. Representative Byrne, why did you vote in favor of women's suffrage? I believe we had a moral and legal right to ratify. I did what I believe is right, and Tennessee has now joined the many states on the right side of this decision. 
That was Representative Harry Byrne, the deciding vote in Tennessee ratifying the 19th Amendment, which finally gives women the right to vote in American elections. Speaking for the entire Suffragette News Network organization, I believe we've proven that individually we are each a small pebble, but combined we've formed a beautiful mosaic. We are now returning you to your normal programming on the Suffragette News Network. As long and vast as the history of our country may seem to us, the right of women to vote is shockingly new. Many of us had parents or grandparents who were born before women's voting rights were codified. In fact, you just heard the famous suffragette Alice Paul report the news. The state of Tennessee ratified the 19th Amendment to the Constitution by just one vote. And that deciding vote was cast on August 18th of 1920. The road to get there was not easy. In the spring of 1920, when only one more state was needed in order to ratify, the suffragettes, the women in the fight, turned their attention to Tennessee, which had become home to a robust women's movement for the time. For that reason, Tennessee was seen as the most likely state to ratify. But twice, when ratification came up, it was voted down. In both cases, Harry T. Byrne, a 24-year-old Republican member of the General Assembly from McMinn County, Tennessee, voted against ratification. Byrne changed his vote on the third try and became the deciding vote in a 50-49 to 49 decision. Even then, it wasn't settled. Opponents of women's suffrage in the Tennessee House of Representatives, led by Speaker Seth M. Walker, had a desperation play at the ready. This is Carol Tilson for the Suffragette News Network. As our State House contributor Alice Paul just reported, the vote here in the Tennessee House did pass. However, sources are now telling us that Speaker Seth M. Walker, leader of the Anti Suffragist Coalition, is plotting a last ditch countermeasure to stop the ratification. Let's go to our SNN colleague, Laura Jones, who managed to slip into the House chamber after the ratification vote. Laura, can you hear me? Yes, Carol, here's what we know. According to sources, Speaker Walker has filed a motion to reconsider. Then the plan is to have the 37-member anti-suffragist coalition flee the Capitol in some delusional hope of stopping a quorum vote from happening while trying to muster additional oppositional votes. I'll make my way to the other side of the chamber and see if I can get the speaker to talk with us. I told you, it's the moral thing to do. The motion's been filed. We'll have a vote and see what happens next. Mr. Speaker, our sources are telling us you really don't want the vote on your motion. You're just stalling. Mr. Speaker, where are you going? Sir! What's happening? The walkout. It's happening. Speaker Walker and his coalition are leaving the assembly. I'll follow and see if I can find out where they're headed. Yes, do that. This is an amazing turn of events and a seemingly desperate one at that. Wait a minute, stand by. I've just been handed a note. I'm reading this in real time, so I'll be learning right along with you. Uh, okay. According to congressional sources, Walker and his coalition are headed to Nashville's Union Station. 
Uh, it goes on to say their plan is to take the train to Decatur, Alabama, in the hopes of delaying the quorum vote on Walker's motion, again hoping to get a few more votes to overturn ratification of the women's right to vote. Laura, were you able to hear me as I was reading the source's intel? Yes, I was. And I can confirm that is exactly where this delegation is headed. Standing here with me is Representative Joseph Hanover, leader of the suffrage forces on the floor. Representative Hanover, what do you think of Speaker Walker's motion to overturn the ratification? The whole thing's foolish. The victory is won. We will gain votes rather than lose them if the House takes another vote. Thank you, Representative Hanover. There you have it, Carol. Needless to say, I will do what I can to get on that train. This is Laura Jones for SNN. Back to you. Walker's plot failed. And that meant ratification was confirmed. Suffragists took the opportunity to flaunt their win in the anti-vote lawmakers' faces by sitting in the missing lawmakers' chairs during the confirmation. Upon signing the ratification certificate, the governor of Tennessee sent it by registered mail to U.S. Secretary of State Bainbridge Colby, whose office received it at 4 a.m. on August 26, 1920. Once certified as correct, Colby signed the proclamation of the Women's Suffrage Amendment to the U.S. Constitution in the presence of only his personal secretary. As the arguments from that time show us now, it was a huge victory. For women across the country, and most especially for the women in the trenches, who staked it all on voting rights. This is Alice Paul. Welcome to Women and the Vote. I recently reported on the ratification of the 19th Amendment, but even as we wait for the first election in which women have an equal say in who governs us, incredibly, there are still people speaking out against women having the vote. Because we are fair and balanced, I've invited one opponent here today to explain himself. I'm joined by anti-suffragist J.B. Sanford, chairman of the Democrat Caucus in California. Mr. Samford, what possible argument could you make against women voting? The men are able to run the government and take care of the women. <sighs> Do women have to vote in order to receive the protection of man? Why, men have gone to war, endured every privation and death itself in defense of woman. To man, woman is the dearest creature on earth, and there is no extreme to which he would not go for his mother or sister. By keeping woman in her exalted position, man can be induced to do more for her than he could by having her mix up in affairs that will cause him to lose respect and regard for her. Woman's suffrage has been proven a failure in states that have tried it. It is wrong. California should profit by the mistakes of other states. Not one reform has equal suffrage affected. On the contrary... Statistics go to show that in most equal suffrage states, Colorado particularly, that divorces have greatly increased since the adoption of the Equal Suffrage Amendment, showing that it has been a home destroyer. Let the manly men and the womanly women defeat this amendment and keep woman where she belongs in order that she may retain the respect of all mankind. One thing is clear to me. Some men like J.B. Sanford, will never change their opinions on women voting. Now, I want to hear from the winning team. 
We're joined by suffragette Carrie Chapman Cat. Carrie, why is women's suffrage so important to you? Everybody counts in applying democracy, and there will never be a true democracy until every responsible and law-abiding adult in it, without regard to race, sex, color, or creed, has his or her own inalienable and unpurchasable voice in government. What do you say to people like Mr. Sanford who believe women aren't capable of casting intelligent votes? The world taught women nothing skillful and then said her work was valueless. It robbed her of every vestige of responsibility and then called her weak. It taught her that every pleasure must come as a favor from men And when to gain it, she decked herself in paint and fine feathers as she had been taught to do. It called her vain. Thanks to the work of this network and suffragists like yourself, millions of future women will be voting in elections and deciding the fate of this nation. What is your message to future generations of women voters? The vote is the emblem of your equality, women of America. The guarantee of your liberty. That vote of yours has cost millions of dollars and the lives of thousands of women. Women have suffered agony of soul, which you can never comprehend. That you and your daughters might inherit political freedom. That vote has been costly. Prize it. Understand what it means and what it can do for your country. Use it intelligently, conscientiously, prayerfully. We'll continue our story in a moment. I'm Bill Curtis. Welcome back. Suffragettes like Alice Paul, Carrie Chapman Catt, and many others devoted years of effort to securing the vote for American women with the 19th Amendment. But as we've noted, the decision impacting the entire country came down to one man in Tennessee. That young 24-year-old member of the State House of Representatives, Harry T. Byrne. The man who voted no twice before voting yes. Now, In her own words, and dramatized here for the first time, allow us to imagine how this would be reported in a broadcast. As we will hear, Alice Paul will learn directly from Representative Byrne how it was that he came to cast the deciding vote in favor of ratification. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash ad free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back to Women and the Vote on the Suffragette News Network. We've spoken to all sorts of people about Tennessee's ratification of the 19th Amendment, but there is one person we haven't heard from, perhaps the most important person of all, Representative Harry Byrne. Representative Byrne was the deciding vote in favor of ratification. Although many people supported women's suffrage before him, ultimately it came to him, and he cast the final vote in favor of women voting. And finally, We've got him here in the studio. Representative Byrne, were you always a suffragist? Alice, thank you. Although I am a suffragist today, and I was the day I voted, I, I cannot claim to have held that position in the past. In fact, I was swayed by my political mentors and in fact voted against suffrage twice before August 3rd's vote. So what changed? Help the nation understand, Representative Byrne, especially the woman whose future you've changed with your vote. Why did you vote to ratify? I know a mother's advice is always safest for her boy to follow, and my mother wanted me to vote for ratification. That's the short answer, Alice. I'll give you a slightly longer version. I had been paying close attention to the political debate about the issue leading up to the third vote. I found many of my political mentors, the men who taught statecraft to me, speaking bitterly against women's suffrage. I realized that their speeches didn't represent how I felt and thought about the issue. It really changed when I got a letter from my mother. And I was holding that letter as I voted, and I'm holding it with you now today, if you don't mind. I will share with you what my mother wrote. Please, we'd all love to hear what your mom's advice was. All right then. Uh, Mother Byrne, who everyone in my family calls Miss Feb, wrote to me. Hurrah and vote for suffrage. Don't keep them in doubt. I noticed some of the speeches against suffrage and they were bitter. I have been watching you to see how you stood, but have not noticed anything yet. And see, at the time she wrote to me, I hadn't responded to the speeches either way. My mom also added a comment about your last guest, Carrie Chapman Catt. She wrote, be a good boy and help Mrs. Catt put the rat in ratification. And that's all I needed to hear. My mom is an educated woman, and her advice was to ratify. I reckon she'll cast a better vote than many men in the state of Tennessee, and I hope that she votes for me in my next election. You heard it here first. Tennessee ratified the 19th Amendment thanks to one man, Harry Byrne. But Representative Byrne made his decision based on one woman, his own mother. To Mrs. Byrne, thank you. To women everywhere, I look forward to meeting you at the polls. This is Alice Paul with the Suffragette News Network. Thank you. I'm Bill Curtis. For more information about this episode and our series, please visit our website, weinterruptthisbroadcast.org. Now please listen to this special message about the great work of the Broadcasters Foundation of America. Every day, broadcasters bring us the information and entertainment that enriches our lives, and often saves lives. It's not only the person on air, it's the producers, engineers, management, sales, marketers, camera operators, and more. For more than 70 years, the Broadcasters Foundation of America 
a 501c3 charity, has been a safety net, providing financial assistance to broadcasters and their families in acute need from a debilitating illness, tragic accident, or unthinkable catastrophe. Whether a retired broadcaster who can't afford life-saving medications, a family struggling to make ends meet after a crippling accident or severe damage from a hurricane to the home of a broadcaster in need, the Broadcasters Foundation has always been there to help those in our industry who need it most. Now more than ever, the Broadcasters Foundation is in need of your donations to continue its charitable mission. Please consider a donation today at broadcastersfoundation.org. That's broadcastersfoundation.org. On behalf of all our broadcasters in all areas of our industry, we thank you.